0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Night Shift. I'm Paul Santos, your host, giving you your daily dose of VGK news. In today's episode, we'll discuss Aiden Hill, we'll take a look at the Flames game, we'll talk about a prospect who was injured in his game in Ontario, and we'll talk about the Maloofs selling their shares of ownership. <laughs> Well, it's been an interesting 72 hours for Vegas Golden Knights. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche 3-0 on Wednesday before picking up a 2-1 victory over the Boston Bruins on Thursday. The big news that came out of this weekend was Aiden Hill. He was slated to start against Colorado, but then things got a little sketchy to the point where Isaiah Seville had to get on a plane to get to Colorado for the game. Bruce Cassidy took us through... The outline and timeline of what happened on Wednesday when Hill was initially announced to make the start versus the time when Jerry Patera stepped onto the ice to start the game against the Colorado Avalanche. Bruce said that Hill did not feel 100% after walking off the ice after morning skate. He was reevaluated by the medical staff and ultimately it was deemed that he was not ready to play. And that's fine. If you're Vegas Golden Knights, you're not in a position to rush Aiden Hill back from injury. They tried doing so against the Ottawa Senators on December 17th, where Hill made four saves, ultimately being pulled in favor of Logan Thompson nearly six minutes into the game. The point here is that the Vegas Golden Knights don't have to rush Aiden Hill back. They have a good goaltending tandem with Patera looking good against Colorado, and Logan Thompson who looked exceptional against the Boston Bruins. If the team defense can really tile in like they did against the Boston Bruins, the goalies will have an easier time overall and not have to make as many timely saves as they have been in the prior games. Hill's injury is an interesting one, however. It's a lower body, which means it could be anywhere between his hips to his knees and various other factors, but the point is that Hill is not 100%, and Bruce Cassidy has said that he will not play Aiden Hill until he's 100%, which makes sense. So where does this leave the Golden Knights? Well, it leaves us with Logan Thompson who looked exceptional as I said against Boston. Thompson is the clear number one without Hill. Thompson has had an increased workload and it has kind of weighed down a little bit and getting him rest with the illness probably did him best. Whether or not he'll have to carry the load all the way to the Austin break is the question that everyone is asking. I don't think Hill will be out that long but you never know with these types of injuries and Logan Thompson is more than capable of carrying the workload. As for Jerry Patera, he'll have to step in from time to time, especially on the road trip, as there's four games or two back-to-back, so he'll likely start at least two games in that road trip. So it'll be interesting to see how they work Patera into the lineup and everything else. They won't be carrying three goaltenders in the road trip to the East Coast after this week's games, but for the most part, they're looking at a situation where Logan Thompson and Jerry Patera will be handling the load until Aiden Hill comes back. Now, if Hill comes back before the road trip, then you're looking at a situation where Patera will go back down to Henderson and Hill and Thompson will likely split the four games before the All-Star break. That would be the most ideal situation, but I don't envision them rushing Hill back for the road trip. Which brings us to the interesting person in this whole situation is Isaiah Seville, who was called up for Henderson not once, but twice in the course of this saga that started on Wednesday. He was called up, got on a plane to Denver, sat, watched year Patera play well, and then he basically was the sent down and then recalled when Patero was a little sore and they did not want to risk putting in a sore goaltender to uh, back up Thompson in case Thompson was to go down. Will we see Seville this season? Well, the Golden Knights probably hope not to see Seville this season, but with injuries the way they have been going for the Golden Knights, you never know. Seville is 4-3 in and and 7 games in Henderson with a 9.33 save percentage, so it's not like he's terrible but the goalie system in Vegas tends to be protected because of the team defense, which prior, like I mentioned, wasn't up to its best game in recent history. But overall, the goalie situation in Vegas is pretty much a curse right now. They haven't had a consistently healthy goaltender since Marc-Andre Fleury, and Robin Leonard is probably never going to play another game in the NHL pending he wants to come back, but I just don't envision it right now. Which means that leaves the Golden Knights with Aiden Hill, who's hurt right now, Logan Thompson, who is playing probably the most games he'll play in a season this year, and Yuri Patera being the number three. If you're the Golden Knights, though, you won with five goaltenders last year, hopefully you don't have to go back to five this year, but basically you're looking at a situation where just get everyone healthy into the All-Star break and make a run. Looking ahead to VGK's next game against the Calgary Flames, the Flames are in an interesting position as of right now. They're two points back of a playoff spot, but there are constant rumors of players wanting out. Chris Tanev, Elias Lindholm, Dustin Wolf wants to play more games, which means Van, Dan Vladar is on the training block, probably. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Calgary Flames right now, but heading into the game, they have one two in a row coming off a 6-2 victory against the Arizona Coyotes. And they're 19, 18, and 5 with 42 games played, which is the same number as the Golden Knights. In the last 10, they're 6-4, but they have won two in a row. And then the last meeting as VGK, they went they lost a 5-4 game on December 12th. Blake Coleman leads the team with points at 35 with 18 goals and 17 assists. Nazim Kadri has 33 points and Igor Serengovich has 30 points. The reason why I said this team is an interesting spot because basically they're still in contention for a playoff. I mean, most teams are still in the playoff hunt as of right now, unless you're the San Jose Sharks and Chicago Blackhawks and Columbus Blue Jackets and the bottom of the league. But the point is is that the Flames are in such an interesting spot where we do not know whether or not they're going to be a buyer or a seller at the trade deadline. They have to make that decision whether or not they're going to continue with this rebuild because quite frankly, the Flames have been always one of those teams that goes to the playoffs, misses the playoffs, goes to the playoffs, misses the playoffs, and they've been inconsistent in their recent history. The problem here is that if you're the Flames, you're making the decision to go full rebuild with a new coach, or you're going to try and make a splash and try and catch that final wildcard spot, or even the number three spot, which they're only five points back of LA. The point here is that the Calgary Flames need to make that decision sooner than later. Are they going to be a buyer or a seller at the deadline? My expectation, they'll be a seller. They have a lot of players who want out. There's chemistry issues, and basically they might not be playing well enough to make the run like the Edmonton Oilers others have to make the playoffs. If they are selling, that means they're looking for prospects, and Vegas tends to be in a lot of these situations with trade conversations. So there would be an interesting scenario where they would trade for Dan Vladar, but I do not envision that happening right now. I don't think Vegas is in desperate mode to trade for a goalie, especially since Aiden Hill will come back and Logan Thompson has played well and Yuri Patera hasn't been really that bad in recent history. The Flames have to make this decision because if they don't, then basically they'll be stuck in a situation where they're going to be just a middling team. Most teams are either... In the position to be a tanker Or a contender And now there's this awkward middle Like the Minnesota Wild The Nashville Predators The Calgary Flames are amongst this team Where they're good enough to make the playoffs But are they good enough to win the Cup? And in Calgary I do not envision this being really A good thing in terms of Just being good enough to make the playoffs I think they want to be contending for the Cup They want to be one of Canada's premier organizations And win a Stanley Cup So If you're the Flames, selling at the deadline and rebuilding this thing might not be a bad idea and getting some young prospects in and overall just getting younger. I mean, you have a new coach. It's going to be really good to really, this was the time to really make that push for a rebuild, but they decided to try and run it back and try and make the playoffs. And so far, the results have been middling. So if you're the Flames going into the game against Golden Knights which they haven't won in the the T-Mobile arena, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight and if the Flames can really get going. I mean, they really looked decent last time they were in Las Vegas in the 5-4 loss against the Golden Knights. But overall, they're just not playing at the level needed to be considered a contender right now. So whether or not they're going to be a buyer or seller at the deadline, well, my expectation, they'll be a seller. Now, I don't typically follow prospects because they're just really in an awkward spot in Vegas where they're used as trade bait mostly and mostly used as trade chips to get players who are NHL capable. But I did notice this on Twitter last night that Matthias Sapovalov, who plays for the Saginaw Spirit in the Ontario Hockey League, suffered an injury last night. And Sapovalov is one of the Golden Knights' top prospects. He's... Six foot four with a good body. He's a good two way center. And as my colleague Jolie Stockley said, he's a smart, reliable middle six center and he'll bring a six foot four size and intelligence in all three zones. He's not going to let up the scoreboard or get a high at reels, but he does the little things right and coaches will be never be afraid to put him on the ice. Savo Vallev has had a good season thus far for Saginaw off spirit. He has 13 goals and 24 assists in 21 games. He also took home a bronze medal at the World Juniors with Chechia, where he scored three goals and one assist. Now, I haven't seen him play, which is, you know, very difficult to make comparisons immediately when you're not having seen a player play, but truthfully, at his size and given what Joel Lee has described him as, my first thought is Nicholas Waugh in terms of player comparison, where you have a big-bodied center who does all the little things right, who won't let up the scoreboard, but he'll do his part and kind of be reliable as a two-way center and do everything he can to help the team. The hit he took was a very scary one as he was stretchered off. But the team did release some information later on in the day, saying that he was cleared to travel with the team. It was a scary hit, and you can search for video for itself. But you know, truthfully, it didn't look that dirty to me. But I mean, me, people people have their opinions about these types of hits and discuss have discussions about it. But for the most part, you know, is okay. He should be returned to the ice at some point this season. And whether or not you see him as a Golden Knight will be up in the air, whether or not how, val- how valued he is in organization versus how someone else values him. If he can be used to be traded, to to be used in a situation where he can get a NHL-ready player for the run, so be it. But I don't think Vegas is in the position necessarily to make a drastic move this offseason, this trade deadline, because of how tight they are with the salary cap. It will take a drastic injury to open up Space Or moving a higher salaried player Now There are a lot of candidates for this There's a lot of expiring contracts for this But whether or not they really make a move At the trade deadline I wouldn't necessarily expect one That will make a big splash Though they'll be in on a lot of players And see if they can make the deal Because they're always in that mode To look for the best deal And Valid might be in that discussion In terms of being traded to a team But you never know with Vegas I mean maybe they value him. I mean they like him a lot like I said before, he has this Nick Waugh kind of um, feel to him in terms of size and skill level. But overall, Sapovalov might not make the NHL for another two seasons, which you know is a long time for the Golden Knights. They have a window that they want to compete in, so they might use Sapovalov to try to get a bigger piece to kind of make it so they extend their window a little bit or wait a little bit and kind of see how he develops. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the prospect. But overall, he is... Really good, from what I from the very little I've seen, which is at the rookie camp. But I can't really comment on his game too much. But I'm gonna take Jolie's word for it and think Nicholas was a comparison. So, um, yeah. So Sapovalov was injured, but he's back and we'll look at prospects from time to time on this. So yeah. In our final topic of the day, we will talk about the Maloof brothers selling their shares, well, four of them, and not the sister. George, Gavin, Phil, and Joe sold their minority stake in the Vegas Golden Knights, which the Las Vegas Review Journal estimated was to be about 15% of the team, then sold it to the Foley family. Adrian Malouf will remain on as their indirect owner for the team, so basically you'll still have Maloof owning the team, but basically the former Sacramento Kings owners are out of the Golden Knights. You really can't ignore the Maloofs and their impact on the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights are in Vegas. They initiated a conversation with Gary Bettman early on when they sold the Sacramento Kings to really get a hockey team to come to Vegas, and they were pointing the direction of Bill Foley, who ended up pounding up the $500 million to get the team here. And now the team is valued according to Rooster Media at $1.5 billion, which is great value if you consider all things Vegas. The fact that the Vegas Golden Knights are valued at 1.5 billion dollars means there's a three times roughly a three times return on investment for Foley which is really good considering that hockey franchises are not really necessarily valued in the same way as NHL NFL I mean NBA and MLB franchises but they're still valuable things to own. The New York Rangers are the top uh, valued team at 3 billion dollars but you know that's micro that's small compared to what some soccer teams are worth so we'll see how this plays out there should be any changes that will be noticeable I mean you rarely hear about Bill Foley in the news he doesn't really take a hands-on approach he just wants to know he trusts his hockey people and he wants to know whether or not they can win and that's an owner that you want you want an owner that's going to be willing to pay and pay and just win he is an invested owner and he is a competitive owner which makes him a fun guy to cover That was a night shift with Paul De Los Santos. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for daily updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you want more content, please visit the Hockey News Vegas Golden Knights site at THN.com slash Vegas. And you can follow me on X or Twitter, whatever the hell you call it these days, at PaulDeLos underscore. Thanks for listening. I'll catch everyone tomorrow.